I'm very excited about the guest that I had on this week's podcast. As many of you are aware, uh, this last month I completed a 52-hour crucible that is patterned after the Navy SEALs Hell Week. In essence, this was a crucible or a Hell Week for civilians. A major part of this, and one of the reasons why it was so special, is because of my teammates. There were seven of us that secured, and these individuals were from all throughout the world. It's amazing how you can create a bond with somebody in such a short period of time when put into a, such a life-defining moment like this crucible. This week's guest is Liam Glynn. Liam was my swim buddy. This was an individual that I was with during the entire time, and we looked out for one another. Everybody was assigned a swim buddy or got to choose a swim buddy, I should say, and I absolutely choose Liam, and you're going to find out why in this, in this week's episode. Liam grew up in a single-parent household in the UK, and he and his wife are currently thriving as they, they live in Kuwait. In this episode, you're going to learn about the insights that he learned during this crucible. You're going to learn about this incredible man, and so I'm excited for you to listen to this week's episode and learn a little bit more on my swim buddy, Liam Gwynn. Welcome to the See the Miracle podcast. I'm your host, Brady Murray. And I'm your co-host, Andrea Murray. Our podcast will feature inspiring guests within the special abilities community. Together, we will be sharing how families and communities are rising up and seeing the miracle of individuals with special abilities. That's something to be proud of. That's a life you can hang your head on. So welcome to our podcast. This is an episode that I'm extremely excited about because I have a dear friend joining me from literally the other side of the world. I'd like to introduce Liam Glynn. He is an individual that is actually my teammate from Kokoro 59. Uh, many of you have probably heard the podcast or listened to the podcast that I did a few weeks ago about this 52-hour endurance event that we were able to secure. And Liam was one of my teammates there. And in fact, he was my uh, swim buddy in this whole thing. And we were side by side through this whole thing. So Liam, welcome to the podcast. Um, Brady, thank you so much for having me on. Um, like it's just, as I said, just really, really good to be having a chat. And uh, yeah, like I, I miss you, man. We were we were not further than six feet apart for, for about 52 <laughs> hours. So yeah, like, uh, like I, don't, I don't know where you've gone. That's exactly how I feel as well. Um, you'll um, you'll uh, you'll hear that Liam has an incredible accent, and uh, that was one of the first things that I picked up was his accent and just his kind voice. And it was a very uh, inspiring and and inspired uh, thing for he and I to be swim buddies in this uh, fifty two hour event. And so Liam, let's let's start out. Would love to hear just a little bit about your background. Tell us about where you grew up and just give us some background about you as an individual. Sure. And um, so start at the beginning and um, yeah like I didn't I didn't grow up in the in the nicest places in the world but um, like was brought up by a, a single mother who is an absolute hero and so I have a, a huge amount of respect for her she's my best friend she's my colleague everything so she's done absolutely amazingly with me and uh, yeah she brought me up always to be working hard always to be getting my head down and always making me think that actually it doesn't matter how intelligent you are or whatever else you've got going on that as long as you put your head down and work hard on what you want to achieve then that is what's going to happen whether it's sooner or later so I've always had that kind of work ethic it kind of uh, instilled within me and I so in in the UK we have like public schools and private schools oh sorry public schools are private schools then we have state schools 
So it's slightly different, I think, to the rest of the world. You okay. know how us English are with our language. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. <laughs> so when I was 16, I was lucky enough to go to a public school. So what you would think, think of as a private school. Um, and I started to play a lot more sport there. And that's really kind of like where I kind of consider my life kind of starting. And I got into sport, absolutely loved it. I was playing football on the, on the gravel all the time. We were going and playing rugby a lot. Um, and I then started to play rugby a lot more enjoyed it I realized I was a little bit of a bigger guy so I think when I was 16 I was about 90 kilos in body weight so like I've never wow. been light at all um, so rugby suited me I was a little bit faster as well so I enjoyed running I enjoyed fitness um, I enjoyed hitting people all those fun things you get to do in contact sports and then uh, yeah so I kind of started to do that a little bit more over the next kind of couple of years and was lucky enough to start and, and sign a professional contract uh, when I went to uh, Harlequin's Elite Player Development Group, which is one of the major rugby kind of clubs that are set, set in London. So I kind of managed to get a little bit of time out there, which is absolutely amazing. Obviously, you're around a lot of high-functioning people who are elite athletes, people who are 16, 17, 18-year-old, very, very clever kind of game brains, as we would kind of call them, so very sports-specific brains. So I was lucky enough to be around those kind of people. And uh, yeah, so I kind of found that I absolutely loved being in that space. And then I started to get into my fitness a little bit more. I moved away from my rugby. I really enjoyed pre-season, you know, that kind of time just before season where like the whole team is just getting absolutely smashed. You've got 40 or like 50 boys all getting up at 6 a.m. to get into the gym, all lifting weight, all just kind of healthy competition. So you've got four or five people who are all in the same position as you. Like, so say if it's like a, a wing or like, wide receiver kind of from American football and then you're all training together but obviously there's only so many positions that are available on the roster right so you're all training together and you all want each other to, to get better but also you want to beat each other so that healthy competition is is a is huge absolutely massive and so from an early age I kind of got addicted to be around people who were like that and uh, I got more into my weightlifting powerlifting um, and I've enjoyed a whole load of different kind of uh, sporting backgrounds um, and more recently I decided to try running because I got to about 120 kilos pure muscle and I was weightlifting I was putting 200 kilos over my head um, and that wasn't even a problem but then I couldn't run for 500 meters without getting super out of breath and obviously coming from a running background that wasn't really acceptable for me and I like to be quite an all-round athlete and so I got into running I did my first marathon in 2019 and I stepped myself the goal of just not stopping so I didn't have any kind of time goal in mind I did always have that little like kind of six and right. a half minute per like, kilometer in the back of my mind okay if I can stay there I'll stay on track but the main thing for me was not stopping and um, so that was kind of my introduction to like let's say endurance events or kind of mental or physical endurance events and uh, I enjoyed it a lot and even coming, even as difficult as it was, I think it took me about four hours and thirty-six minutes. That's awesome. Um, which, uh, by the way, my mum, I beat her by thirty seconds on her marathon time. So I know she's absolutely <laughs> hate me telling oh, everyone. Oh, that's on the great! Good for her for being out there. 
<laughs> exactly. So, so that you can imagine the type of woman I came from. So she's yes. like she's only thirty seconds off my marathon time, and I think she's what she's maybe she's got to be mid fifties now. So uh, yeah, so That's amazing incredible. work by her. So uh, so yeah, so I massively enjoyed it. I got to the end, got over the finish line, and immediately I said to myself that I would do that again. And mm -hmm. so you know when you finish something major like that and it's a major benchmark in your life and you would immediately said you'd do it again then I had to find the next challenge and the next thing that was big for me um and uh I took a little bit of time off last summer because obviously we had the pandemic we had the lockdown so I went back to go and see family because I didn't manage to see them at all while I was in Kuwait just to backtrack obviously I moved to Kuwait <laughs> I that was one question that I wanted to have you grew up in in the UK you're super involved in athletics and and one thing that I would share is when I met Liam, um, it was the morning of the 52-hour crucible that we did, and we were all standing around. There was, a, I think, 11 of us that were there, 10 of us, and then Liam came, and one thing that stood out to me is this is a guy that is a physical specimen. Like, he is absolutely ripped, exactly what you would think somebody would look like that is signing up for a 52-hour crucible, and I was thankful to have him as my teammate. And I was secretly hoping that he would get to be my swim buddy, just based off of the sheer athletic prowess that I saw in this man as he uh, as he approached ah. the group. And so um, I can definitely echo that. And so you grew up in the UK and and you live in Kuwait now. And so yeah. talk to us about that transition. Yeah. So um, gladly that like that was kind of a little bit of a surprise. So. Um, it's, it's been six years now that I've been in Kuwait. I knew when I was in the UK, I worked in a corporate job before, but I still worked in sports nutrition. So I was still kind of managing athletes and working on brand management within a, a large sports nutrition company. So I was still touching fitness, but I wasn't being an athlete and, and, and doing fitness personally. I was more kind of trying, seeing if I enjoyed the corporate space and actually I decided to move away from that because I knew that it was just moving away from what on a day-to-day -day basis I really, really enjoyed. I didn't like being behind a desk. I enjoyed being on the ground, in the trenches with people who were just trying to work hard. So I moved back into coaching. I took a little time out and just went to into CrossFit coaching. And actually I fell into CrossFit as well just because I was looking for somewhere to weightlift. Mm -hmm. And the only places that I could weightlift, but obviously like with some space around them, um, was, was in CrossFit gyms. So I think the same as everyone else who kind of gets into a little bit of CrossFit, everyone's like, no, no, I hate CrossFit, can't do that, lots of injuries, all this kind of thing. Um, when actually, you know you're not doing it just because it's really hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. Um, so yeah, so I, I kind of, I managed to get into a little bit of a, into a CrossFit, started coaching CrossFit, started really enjoying what that kind of meant to the people who are in the box, um, to the type of people who were coming in. They were the type of people who all just wanted to do hard work and suffer together and then high five each other at the end. And then whatever happened afterwards, if you're friends, or if you're not friends, like everyone always came together at those certain times, the same class people would come at the same times for 5 p.m or 6 p.m or whatever it was and the community really drew me in and the the work ethic of some of the the people who weren't even naturally gifted athletes yeah. some of the people who just wanted to work hard just because they'd been told that they had a, a diabetes problem or a blood or thyroid problem and they just wanted to make a change or you had people who were they only did crossfit because there was an hour for the class 
and that's how much time they had that they were able to get away from the kids and everything that was going on at home just to be able to carve themselves out an hour in a day. And um, so you were working out really hard with just normal people. And I absolutely loved it. And I love seeing the progress that those people were making. Um, and I love seeing the commitment that it had. And sometimes it was greater than the commitment that I've seen from elite level athletes. And so that, that was huge for me. And so I kind of helped to start take um, some people through like a little bit more of like a performance space so I brought all the things that I knew from corporate and all the things that I knew from elite sport um, and I brought it to CrossFit so we get again started to train people for competitions we started to get people up at 4am in the morning to come and train before the 6am class because that was that was the time that everyone could get together and everyone could get in and spend time with each other um, and then we were training again in the evening and so we were kind of starting to instill those factors within, within each other starting to um, push each other on have that healthy competition Competition where you're all doing qualifiers for the same thing but actually like we're all all hoping that everyone gets in so that we can just fill up the roster and all be there for each other so um so that was really addictive that's a that's a, a actually a great segue and and good perspective from my standpoint just in regards to your desire to be a part of a team and your desire to be able to um really help individuals achieve their fullest potential and so i'm i'm curious what led you what motivated you to ultimately want to sign up for an event that would require you to stay awake for two full nights to get completely <laughs> just crushed physically, mentally, emotionally uh, by current and former Navy SEALs and do this for 52 hours straight. Like walk me through how you, how you found SEAL FIT and ultimately um, how you chose to, to sign up for this crucible and take this on. That, that was like the simplest part about my whole story. I heard David Goggin talk about it, I think, on a Joe Rogan podcast, I think. And I think it was about five, like four or five years ago. And I think he, the, the subject was like uh, Jocko Willink and like other guys who were doing hard stuff. And David Goggins just goes, yeah, so that, like these guys were out in California doing this thing called Seal Fit. And like, it's the hardest thing that you can do outside of selection. Um, and obviously, David Goggins has got some stories about selection, which we won't go into, but like, yeah. that's kind of where it kind of came from. And I was like, okay, like that kind of set the bar in my head. Right. And I knew, okay, so David Goggins, someone that I look up to for just doing hard stuff, he is saying, this is really hard. So if I can complete this on a kind of a scale, a relative scale, that's pretty good if I can get there. Um, but I never really felt fit enough to do it. And so that's kind of where like the marathon training came in. That's where me like looking at ultra marathons and seeing like, do I like that? Do I not like that? Um, and I love the idea of being out in the wilderness. Like again, in Kuwait, where it's a little bit, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of desert here. It's yeah. not exactly the most scenic country in the world. So that's, that's definitely a big draw. And so when I found out it was in California, um, and I think almost like everyone else, I got the Black Friday deal. <laughs> like, I think like 90% yeah, of us hit that Black Friday deal. And like, like I was just like, yeah, it's time. Like I feel fit enough. I was um, coming back from a long time away on vacation in the UK. And I'd been running a little bit, but I hadn't been like kind of doing any strength training. So I felt pretty fit. And I knew that I had like, a, again, six or seven months. So this was like what October, November kind of time. I was, I was already running a little bit. And then I knew, okay, this is, this is the next thing that I want to train for. 
obviously I looked, I think there was the date of, uh, of the May date or there was the September date. And I was like, if I wait until September, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm going to think of so many excuses, like six months training, May, okay, let's get it done. And so, yeah, it was literally just a click, 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 get me in and just submit to the process of, of doing what I was supposed to do. And um, Did you I find think- that when, once you, uh, once you registered, and that you uh, signed up and you paid your fee, did you find that that added an increased level of emphasis and focus for you and your training? Without a doubt. And I think that's the case with anything that you sign up for, like with a, like with a big amount of money, you've got to look at it as a, as a reinvestment in yourself and a reinvestment in what's happening over the next few months. So, I mean, there was a couple of people, I think, telling stories that there was like a guy last year who signed up two days before or something. Yeah. I mean, like, like fair play to him, but also like he's missed out on all of the accountability to the process, the training, the the nervousness, the worrying about it, all those kind of things which you you, you learn from equally just as much as being there. It's all part of the process. Um, and he didn't, so, uh, didn't make it out of the first hour, the first breakout hour. Yeah, which I'm not surprised because actually like he, he had no real reason to be there. Like he didn't have any commitment to himself to, to be there. And so I think when you like, yes, it is a large amount of money, and especially for like the, the average person, it's not the kind of money that you want to be throwing around, but it's definitely the type of money that you want to be spending on reinvesting in yourself. And I think that's something that a lot of people have, uh, especially with the economic recession, with the pandemic and everything, everyone's uh, like very much a closed book with, with regards to their money and their, and their reinvestment pro, um, kind of priorities. Yeah. Um, but this was this was huge and it's a, it was a life-changing experience and I think it was if anything I, could, I would say it was absolutely priceless for me and so that's kind of when you when you but you don't know that until you've gone through it and but when David Goggins says it's one of the hardest things that he's ever been through if you're if that's what you're looking for then that's it right that's exactly what we got <laughs> I think that's exactly what we got that's exactly right so let's jump into uh, the event itself for you as you reflect back over that 52 hours that we were together and we were on the grinder and we were in the ocean and we were doing all of the different uh, team activities, we were in the pool, we were doing just some crazy, crazy stuff. What stands out the most to you as you reflect back? What is that thing that, that when, when your mind uh, goes to Kokoro, what is it? What are those areas and what are those things that stand out the most to you? Without a doubt, it's the, at the point at which I think I nearly drowned. <laughs> there was a, a real kind of commitment to what I was doing, a whole and total, to, wholehearted, total commitment to what I was doing, um, but also a complete trust in the people that I had around me. So to give some context, it was in the pool we come back from a night hike everyone was in really good spirits we were just laughing and joking was, uh, we made it. yeah 26, so it or so, 26 hours in i think yeah and so like we day. i think we were walking down into the camp we were laughing joking everyone's in a good mood um and uh, the sun had come up it started to get warm after a really cold night everyone's in a great mood we got back to camp okay straight back into it go and get changed get your swim stuff on and swimming is not the most the thing I'm most comfortable with by any means but I was like okay like let's commit let's go for it just got to get it done this is this is going to be the biggest learning for me because it's the thing I'm least comfortable with so I was committed to that process I I would like to even preface Liam of all of our crew was excelling 
and, and was, was doing an extremely good job in all of the performance standard tests. Um, I remember specifically when we were running the mile, like I consider myself a fairly good runner and, and uh, Liam was smoking me and it was awesome to see. And so you uh, up to this point had crushed it. You did an amazing job through the night and, you know, we're, we're on day two feeling good and, and Liam was doing an incredible job. Yeah. Little did I know that it was going to come to an end. <laughs> no, I think I knew because again, like, uh, um, as I said, swimming has never been a strong point for me. I did have, I remember I had a teacher long way, way back. And she told me like some people are just not meant to swim. And I think I took that to heart a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think I really tried enough, but again, like if, if there's one thing that I would, I would do more of in hindsight, if I was going to do it again, it would be more swim work because I know that the benefits of it extrapolate far out of just what's going on in the pool. But kind of that aside, yeah, there was a point at which we, we've been doing a lot of lengths and laps and races and obviously in the Kokoro idea, it's like, if you win, then you get rest off the next yeah. one. So pays everyone's to trying win. to win. Yeah, pays to be a winner every single time. <laughs> so I can literally hear that in my mind right now. Um, and then we went into the deep pool after hitting all those lengths and, and we, laps. So we did the lap pool. We were there for definitely over an hour and just going hard. And, and something that I would share is we started with 11 and we were down to eight. And then by the end of the evolution with the lap pool, we had lost another one of our teammates. And so we were down to seven. And so we had definitely seen some attrition and some people fall out. And we, uh, we were a little bit on beat, beat down mode at that point in time when we transitioned from the lap pool to the, to the deep pool. Definitely, definitely. I think like kind of all of us were, we were feeling the tiredness. Um, we were feeling also, I think we weren't quite a team yet. That's we, right. We, we, were, we were still working as individuals, but individuals who are kind of like looking after themselves a little bit, which wasn't a problem, is absolutely to be expected. But when we got into the pool, that's when like even people who were confident swimmers were kind of, okay, yeah, this is tiring. But those people who were confident swimmers knew they were tired and still had to step up for two or three of us who weren't confident. And that was the real turning point. So a huge, huge, huge thing for me was, I don't even know how long we were treading water for, but like, it felt to me like it was hours, but I know that it was only minutes, but it was kind of, it was, it was a long time, much longer than I was used to, for example. And I kind of start to feel myself going down under the water and it's like, people are coming along and swimming alongside me and literally holding my shoulders up. And obviously I'm the heaviest out of the group. So the fact that they even just bothered to come over without just letting me, let me drop into the water was a huge thing. And then we transitioned, I think, from treading water to um, having our hands behind our back and allowing ourselves to sink down and jumping off the bottom of the pool. And this continued for another few minutes as well. And so you're basically starting to hyperventilate yourself. Um, <laughs> and then getting back to uh, treading water with with one hand out the water another hand out the water and at this point my limbs are not help keeping me up in the water at all and I absolutely don't know who it was but I know that it was like there was two or three of them but people were swimming underneath me to stand on the bottom of the pool to put so I could stand on their shoulders so I could stay out of the water and they were taking it in turns to do that and so for me having to rely on other people to be able to stay in an evolution, but also the fact that I trusted them completely to help me 
was a huge thing that I haven't experienced in that sort of kind of microcosm, that like very, very small example of, of, of teamsmanship. Um, I've experienced it on the rugby field, like you like kind of going to go and hit a teammate because like you're going to help everyone drive through and, and the whole team moves as one. But in that instance, in the pool, people were literally sacrificing their breath to help me and hold me up and keep me in the game. And that was a huge, huge, huge thing for me. And again, the, the level of commitment that I had to do and what I was doing was one thing, the level of commitment that other people had to me to being able to finish the goal and secure the goal was a whole different thing as well so and to be able to digest that and then learn about that and take that into your surroundings after the situation is very very difficult because you start to feel that you're not good enough you start to feel that you've uh, you're holding everyone back that those people have to, uh, literally having to put you on their shoulders to carry you through the whole rest of the event and oh by the way you also realize that you still have about 25 hours left <laughs> Of <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah that kind of like that that definitely got to me and I think even I was very proud of myself for getting to the end of the evolution and managing to like take myself out of the pool I definitely had a little bit of a uh, an episode but the medic came over helped me out she made sure that I was okay the coach came over helped me out made sure that I was okay um gave me a couple minutes let me collect my shoes and everything. And then I came over to the team and I, I knew that I was in. I'd made the decision. I'm staying in. I'm good. Let's go. And then they took us over, I think, for about four hours of burpees and running and challenges, <laughs> um, which I think was that probably was the making of yeah. <laughs> but but again, I think I think that was the 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 real making of all of us. Like from different perspectives, I've heard that the that that point. I think it was for, probably from about maybe 8 or 9 a.m. on the second day through to about 12.30 or 1 p.m. on that day. That point was when we were all really, really struggling. Like everyone's tired. Everyone's really beat down. Everyone realizes that we've got 24 hours left until we secure. And you don't really know what's coming up. And you're just thinking, well, if it's like the last 24 hours I had, this is going to really hurt. Yep. Um, and uh, I think, it, yeah, it was hot. You're wet, you're cold, like and all different, all different emotions all over the place. Um, and it was constant work. We were doing burpees, 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 run, burpees, 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 run. And then like a little bit of a challenge, which obviously, again, like in hindsight, the the ability of the coaches to enact a sense of team spirit where every single person was able to step up and say and positively say to themselves yes i can do this to help the team was huge um and i actually got the opportunity first to do that which was which was a massive thing for me and again i i know that the coaching question was directing it at me as an opportunity for me to step up and say to my team i'm here i'm here to help thank you very much for, for doing what you did for me right now and i'm going to do exactly the same for you let me um, set so, stage on that just a little bit because that was a that was a very impactful experience in seeing each of you step up, and so we had just gone through this this swim evolution. And that, um, as we had said, we had lost a teammate there, <clears throat> and it was seven of us left. And and in that pool, in that deep end, when we were all rallying around each other, we were all struggling. 
and encouraging everybody. And that was kind of a, a moment where I think the team came together to where there was a bond. And so then immediately after that, you get thrown into this evolution, as Liam has explained, where you're doing unlimited burpees, it seemed like. They, they told us we had to do 400, which just seemed like an impossible amount of burpees to accomplish. And we were about halfway through it. Um, we were close to 200, I would say. And, and we were, I would say for me, it was the lowest point for me as far as physically and mentally. And they gave uh, each of our teammates uh, the opportunity to step up and do something that was unique to them, that was a, a physical challenge and uh, allow them to be able to knock off some of those burpees that we owed the coaches. And so um, you were the first one to step up. And that was something that really stood out to me because um, you're right, we were, we were helping you in the pool. But the second that you had the opportunity to be able to use talents that you have, maybe you weren't a great swimmer, but physically you were just crushing it. And the first opportunity that you had to step up on, on behalf of your teammates and literally put us on your back and, uh, and make this thing happen, you did it. And so tell us, tell us about that experience and tell us, in fact, tell us a little bit about what it was that the coaches asked you to do as well. Uh, yeah, so they basically said, okay, so if you want to knock off 50 burpees from this 400 unlimited burpees that you have, <laughs> um, <laughs> then, uh, then do you want to do a challenge? Do you want to do a bet? And so everyone's like, well, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's see what you got. And he said, okay, but if you don't make it, then we're going to add the same amount of burpees. So right. if you don't make it within the time, then we're going to add 50 burpees instead of taking it away. Um, and obviously that's a moment when, when uh, seven of you guys have to back yourself, but also not only back yourself, but you back your teammates and you, got, you kind of got to look at each other and be like, okay, you got this. Like you, you have got this, like you better have it seriously, please. But also yes. we know you have, that's um, and again, yeah, and that's uh, and you're kind of always looking hopefully at each other, but then kind of like trying to get as much information in those those very silent looks to try and understand like, are you good? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> um, he, he, uh, the coach literally said, okay, so what I want you to do first challenge, I need someone to do a a partner carry to that tree and back within thirty seconds, and immediately as soon as I heard partner carry, I knew like, okay, I, as you said. I can't really swim, but I can for sure carry someone. And it wouldn't matter who it was. I'm going to absolutely run my ass off to get there. Yep. Like it yep. doesn't matter what time, time frame you're going to give me, I'm going to go for it. Yep. Um, because also I know that even if I failed by giving my absolute 120% effort, that I would show people that I'm here and this is what I can do, whether I do it in the time or not. Like that's an outside variable that I can't control, but I can control how much effort I give into it. And also not only was it for the team, it was definitely for myself as well to say, actually like, no, this is something you can do. And this is something that you can genuinely put absolutely every, everything into. And actually, you know that you can do better than anyone else who's here. So stick your hand up and let's go. So again, that was kind of the, the self-talk that was going through my mind and it happened absolutely instantaneously. Shot my hand up and I knew that I wanted to do it. And I was like, I don't think I've ever run so fast in my life. But I was super happy with smoking the time and I knew that when I got back again, it felt good, not because I'd done it. 
It felt good, not because I'd kind of committed to the team, but it set the precedent and the tone for everything that was about to happen. Exactly. Um, and so it, it was really, really nice to see some, some of the quieter people in the group like start to be like, they were listening for the challenge and then they were recognizing, actually, this is aimed at me. I can do this. Right. Let's yeah. go. And so, yeah, we were starting to then step up as a team. And I think that was where we started to really not care about what the coaches were going to throw at us. That's right. We started to literally just look after each other, started to give each other 100% and started to look at each other a little bit more, watching when how slow the slowest person was moving. Um, should we be moving? Like, there's no reason for all of us to be running off and going as fast as we can, actually. If this person over here is going slow, let's go as fast as the slowest team member. Like we're a team, stick together. Actually, anything that coaches throw at us, if they want us to do 10 more burpees, fine. We'll do them at our pace. Doesn't we control yep. what's going on. Yeah, so that, that was a, a huge start to that. And um, Well, I, I want to echo what you said in setting the tone because – let me share from my perspective, when the coach said, will somebody step up and do a partner carry, which literally is, it's not a piggyback. Like this is, they go across your shoulders. You have them on your shoulders. They're laying across your shoulders and you've got to run. It was like a 50 yard, probably more than like 75 yards out and then run back. And you've got to carry this guy in a certain time limit. When the coach said that in my mind, I, I knew I physically could not do that. Like I knew that. And that, and that was a moment where I felt weak. And I, I knew that like, if he called on me, I would let my team down. But in the exact same moment, I see Liam raise his hand and say, I will do that. And it was like, this is so cool because it was less than an hour ago, we were all carrying and helping Liam in the pool. And now this guy's stepping up and making this happen for us. And like, that was such a moment of weakness. But then when I saw my teammates step up, just exactly like you said, it's who ya, like we got this. There's nothing the coach can throw at us that we as a team can't overcome. So that was a special moment for sure. Yeah, and then, then honestly, that's given me goosebumps because these are the kind of things that you don't, you can't even comprehend as, a, as an individual how other people are really going to take it. You can just absolutely give 100% and hope it's good enough for that other person. And obviously there's a whole load of different dynamics of whether that's okay or whether it's not okay. But given 100% was the one, without a doubt, the biggest thing that I took away from the weekend, because as you said, it, it didn't matter whether the coaches were going to give you 10 more or whether they were like, they were going to tell you to run around again or anything, because that's exactly what you were going to do. You were 100% all in. There was no way any of us were going home like, um, and also some of the people who were there, like surprised me because actually if you line us all up, like we didn't look like a bunch of athletes. No. Like, <laughs> like not at all. Like, but when you see the, the people who finished, like, man, I was so proud to be in that group. Like, uh, even as everyone is coming up to me, shaking my hand, like when, all, when we had that, those horrible moments when all the other kind of the lengths of time started securing and like yeah. they're going off high five and <laughs> <Yep. rest> of, <laughs> <laughs> and we just got okay, Kokoro 50 hour, go fill your water up. <laughs> like you got hey, you're not minutes. done yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like everyone's coming over and shaking my hand and, and saying, wow, man, you're a beast and everything. Like I'm then looking over at Tonya, who's this like 52 year old mum of three, not speaking any English. And she is still out here with us, standing next Crushing to each other. Side, side, and absolutely crushing it. 
Yeah. And she's sticking her hand up and doing challenges and she's working her ass off in the pool. Um, yeah. And she's running right along next to us. Yeah. Um, and like, it was just, I'm looking at people like that and saying, actually, like, these people are beasts. Yeah, like, right. I should be able to do this stuff because I've been training to do this for most of my life. But like, like these people are beasts. They're doing stuff that doesn't come naturally. They're putting themselves in uncomfortable situations. Same as all of us. But like, that's the real element of being a beast is your ability to be able to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation whatever it is for you relative to to your own surroundings it could just be something as simple as uh like i i speak to a few people who have speech impediments sometimes just saying hello to someone is that hugely uncomfortable situation but the fact that they're 100 in to commit to doing it that's being a beast man like it's all great that like i have all this muscle and everything but like I truly felt like a beast by finishing Kokoro next to people who I can share that mindset with yes. um, and say that actually not only was I a beast, but someone else helped me be a beast. Someone and another person helped me be a beast. And then actually I was able to be a beast to help them be a beast. Like right. all these things, like it's just give and take. And actually that was something, I think I mentioned it when we secured. And I kind of said like, guys, look, I'm, a, I'm an individual athlete. Since I've, since I've left rugby, I've been purely individual athlete. So the best part of 10 years, I've worked out by myself for the majority amount of time and I've relied on myself, but I could not have done the Kokoro 50 hour event without any one of those other six people who finished. Right. I just wouldn't have been able to do it. It just wouldn't have been possible. And so it's just, uh, it's, I'm absolutely blessed to be able to call uh, all of you guys my friends and to be able to have you help me and for me to be able to say that I was helped and be really happy about it. That's a, a massive thing for me. Huge. Uh, amen, brother. Very well said. And that, uh, that was a, a unique thing about our group. There, of the seven of us that secured, we had six men and, and one lady, one female, who, uh, as you said, was 52 years old from Italy and didn't speak a lick of English. And so imagine having a cadre yelling at you, giving you orders, and you've got to rely on your teammates to know how to be able to navigate through that. Um, she, Tanya was an absolute amazing individual, and she was very fortunate to have German to be able to help her. He's from Liechtenstein and Germany, spoke English, spoke Italian, spoke German, and probably spoke a couple other languages. But Nicholas was absolutely amazing in being able to help translate for Tanya. And then we have you from the UK. And then uh, the other four were just scattered from throughout the country of all different ages, backgrounds, and none of that mattered. Race, yeah. ethnicity, whether you're male or female, none of that mattered. And that cohesive team came together to be able to secure this. And there's no way any of us could have done it individually. So great there. Um, yeah, like um, it's a, a huge, huge, huge shout out to the team because uh, again, even with uh, things that you would find annoying usually, like Nicholas shouting hands all the time, but actually <laughs> that's exactly what you needed to keep your hands off your waist because there was a few times when like he said it and I'm like, oh yeah, of course, that, because <laughs> otherwise you're going to get punishments, you're going to get burpees. And actually, like every single person had their role to play in everyone else's success, even if it was just something as simple as shouting hands to remind us to take our hands off our, off our hips uh, right. so we weren't resting in that position. Um, so the coaches right. didn't catch us, but like it's little things. And honestly, just uh, sometimes Tonya would just look at me and just be like, just give me the thumbs up. Yep. I'm like, yeah. 
like thumbs up we good like let's yep, go we're good and uh, i think that really really came to to a head as well when we had everyone else for the like the stretcher carry yeah. like so the litter carry and obviously we'd been there for a significant period of time yeah. and then like almost we're able to then help everyone else through it and you then start to, to see how strong we were as a team and how good our communication was because we were just smashing it first 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 every That's single right. time not because we were running fastest purely because we were just communicating the best so we had experience to be able to communicate properly we had a team which absolutely knew we we were doing non-verbal communication by that point so we were just able to look at each other see what was going on we actually didn't even talk and we're getting the coordination of who should be in what spot on the litter and so that was amazing and then to be able to split that group up into different groups to be able yep. to then digest and then chunk down that information immediately within about 30 seconds to help that group then be the best that they could be it was amazing and I think again that's that kind of what we're doing in life right now is trying to take as much of what we learned there over 52 hours and then take it to what we're doing outside because it's just that that level of effort that you can put into something that you're focusing on that's only in front of you just being present in the moment working on what you have literally right in front of you so that you could give that 100% and then that's done. You can move on to the next thing, give that 100%. That's something that I definitely wasn't doing before. I definitely was being super anxious about everything that's going on in the future and whether I'm on the right path and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm just planning for the future, but focusing on what I'm, I'm doing at that time. That's and I think right. the only point at which I wobbled and felt that I couldn't continue and couldn't continue to do, to do what I was doing in that time when we it was after the pool evolution, that's the only time and I was thinking about things that were going on outside of Kokoro. Yeah. So thinking about my wife, thinking about my parents, thinking about people that are close to me on a, on a business relationship, what they would think of me, what social media would think of me, all those, all those other things which really didn't matter at the time. They weren't helping me to secure, they weren't helping me to give more effort. They were just helping me worry about a whole load of things. And that was the only time that I started to feel vulnerable and started to feel that I couldn't continue doing what I was doing. But then as you, again, as you start to focus in on what you're doing, everything then starts to become easy. I mean, the amount of burpees that we did, the amount of running that we did, it was just uh, like, you can't even calculate it. It was just constant, constant work, but it didn't matter because of time. I remember one thing I loved those coaches, like love those coaches and they'd give us that counsel. And one of the things that, they talked about was a micro goal. And, and there was one point in time when uh, I remember the, the task, the evolution, or just the next step was literally like we were at such a, a depleted state. It was go put a new set of trousers on, like go change and go, go. Can you do that? And when you break it down, like instead of trying to look at like, holy crap, we're only halfway done. And we've got like, we got crushed and like the thought of trying to do that again, it's only Saturday. We got to go all the way to Sunday and it gets overwhelming. But when then that, then when that coach said, can you go put your trousers on? It was like, who ya coach, we can do that. And it was one step at a time. So that was a, that was a big moment for me as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest on that, I think that point um, was the furthest that me and you got away from each other. <laughs> Right, because that was right. after the after the evolution, and this was again like a, the kind of the most vulnerable point. But 
The difference was after that amount of time, I think, as you said, it was maybe about 26 hours. I knew that I was vulnerable and I wanted to actively do something about it. So instead of letting myself be vulnerable, which was me just going, actually, I can't do this. This is not going to work. How can I do another 24 hours? All this kind of stuff, all this negative self-talk. I allowed everyone else to go and go and get themselves changed. And I hung back and I, and I spoke to the coach. And I said to the coach, basically, I don't feel so good. I literally just said that. <laughs> and he was like, okay, uh, go to the medic. I was like, it's, it's not my physical body. Like mentally, I'm not in a good place. Yeah. And he said, okay, so what's wrong? I said, and all this stuff came out. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about going in the ocean. I'm worried about letting my team down. I'm worried about the fact that they had to carry me. Like, like if they're going to have to carry me through that, what else are they they're going to have to carry me through and all this stuff? And I've got 24 hours left and I can't do it. And I'm literally like blurting out all this stuff. And he's just there sitting calmly and going, okay, okay. And he said something that has stuck with me since, since that point and will stick with me probably for the rest of my life. He said, okay, so they did that for you. If you leave now, how are you going to pay them back? Hmm. I was like, uh, 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 I'm stuttering and everything. And it's that moment of realization when I'm like, actually, if I really care about these people and if I'm committed to this team and if, if I'm also committed to myself as a human being, that likes to help others and wants to help others and, and be a active part of the human race. Like I can't leave now purely because I owe someone something and, and it's not something that I will personally be happy living with for the rest of my life after this point. So he purely let it, let it go down to me. He didn't give me anything else other than actually like, if you're okay with that, then go for it. Actually, he said, it's very unlikely that they're going to secure this event without you being there. And so he gave me a little bit of feeling important as well. Like just that, just that enough amount of confidence that made me go, okay, like, I, yeah, I, I need to be here. And whether I needed to be there or not, it was a case of me feeling like I should be there to help other people, not to help myself. And he said, okay, so what do you have to do now? I said, um, uh, uh, I don't know. Again, I'm stuttering. I've been, been going a long time. And he said, what was the order you got given last? I said to, to put my trousers on, go and change my trousers. Okay, so what are you going to do now? Um, and like, it still hasn't clicked in my mind yet. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm going to put my trousers on. And he's like, yes. And then you're going to put your socks on. Then you're going to put your boots on. Then you're going to put your T-shirt on. Like, all you have to do is literally do one thing at a time, do it really well, and move on to the next thing. But what's the thing you have to do right now? I'm like, put my trousers on, coach. Yeah, I'm off. I'm running. And I'm literally, I don't think I even finished the conversation with him. I'm running to the tent. I'm ready to go. Because also, I'm, I'm really aware that by this time, I've lost most of the time I have to put my trousers on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I actually got back to the tent and I'm overwhelmed with emotion. Like I, ha I have my, my wobble, I have my emotional moment. Everyone else comes around me and is literally giving me anything that I need. There's towels, there's, do you need trousers? Do you need extra socks? Do you need this? Whatever there is, if it's available, people are giving it to you. And like, I'm late for the next evolution because I'm still trying <laughs> to put my trousers on. But the thing that I loved is that the coaches didn't stop and wait for me and or give me that kind of, that leeway or give any, anyone else that leeway. It was, okay, Liam, you decided that you're gonna, you're gonna be back in. 
Like, how much do you really want to be back in? How much do you really want to help the rest of your teammates? Um, and it was just a case. I knew that it's like, okay, I'm going to jump back in. I have got work to do to make this up. And again, taking that as an example into real life, when you start to realize, okay, you've got that, not a debt to pay, but you have people that you need to pay oh, back absolutely. for them. Yeah, exactly. Responsibilities. You have those responsibilities to those people that you've committed to. And it's not going to be easy, kind of like darkest before the dawn kind of thing. But actually, like if you're going to go out there, if you say that you're going to be there, then be there and everyone else will absolutely thank you for it. And, and like I said, like we, I ran outside, you guys were in the push-up position, which I like, I was <laughs> felt so guilty about. <laughs> but again, I, I jumped in and just said, okay, guys, like, let's go. I'm sorry. And then I, for me personally, that's where all the whole experience in my mind, that's where the experience from my wobble, my low point, my vulnerability, that's where it ends. And for the rest of the time, I have nothing but positive experiences all the way through to securing. Let me share, let me share uh, what, what happened to our boat crew after that. We, uh, so now we're into the second half of the, of the event. And the entire time we've seen these big logs laying there on the ground. And we haven't really spent much time with those logs. But the second half of that event was 100% focused on log PT, which you see in the Navy SEALs. You, if you see any pictures from our event, it's us lifting this log, the seven of us lifting this giant log, putting it on our shoulders, lifting it above our head, holding it there, putting it down on our shoulders. And it's a series of commands that the cadre give us that we have to follow. And then they make us start doing laps with this thing. And um, the coach was absolutely right. We would not have secured, as a team, period, we would not have secured that event if we didn't have Liam there. One, from a physical standpoint, but two, he was also our leader in that. And so he was the one giving the commands. And this wasn't like the coach saying, hey, Liam, you give the commands. Like he stepped up, made that happen for us, and coached us through that entire thing. And I, I like, I don't know how it was for other Kokoro classes, but we crushed it in that event. Like we, yeah, we did. crushed it. I, I want to say that we, did, we genuinely did. Like I was so happy with that. Like every time they say log PT, I was like, yeah, let's get on that log. Exactly. I was Go the same way. And we, uh, <laughs> we were, we were crushing it, man. And so I, um, I think that's a, a wonderful way to, to, to wrap this up. Ultimately it was under the log when we secured, when, uh, that was the last evolution when coach divine, Mark divine, the founder of Kokoro walked us through that last evolution. It was Liam that was guiding us through that and leading us through all of that. And then ultimately they say Kokoro class 59, you're secured. And that was a moment, like that was a moment for us. I, um, I want to give just a, a minute as before we wrap up here, I'd love to, to ask you, what's next? Where are you going to go from here? What's next for you? And, and share with us what, what you got in your mind there, Liam. That is a great question. The really exciting thing for me is that I actually don't know what's next. As I said, I'm trying to be a little bit more present with everything that I do. I'm trying to kind of embrace as much of what I have going on naturally as, a, as an athlete but then also like whatever is going to come to me within the universe obviously like I wasn't expecting to be able to um, connect so amazingly with the people that I was going to secure Kokoro with so that is absolutely fantastic and to be honest 
Like we've got a few things that have been floating around in our WhatsApp group um, that uh, have made me think about things. So uh, yeah, like I know that there's the, there's talk of Mount Everest being thrown around. Yeah, there's, 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 yep. there's, some, there's some major challenges, which um, which I'm really excited about because to be honest, after after Kokoro, I feel like I'm ready to go. And Everest wasn't even a thing that I thought of before, but. I am not afraid of doing Everest. Whereas before, you you could definitely ask me, and I would have said like, "Oh, I don't know, like, yeah. like how many people die like this, and like how good do you have to be." Whereas now, my my mindset, which I'm really excited about, is the fact that someone said Everest, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wonder if that'll fit with my plans." <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was it. Like, like, there's no fear. There's no worry about if I can technically climb or not. I can learn how to do that. Um, and as long as I go with the right group, I know that I'm absolutely going to love a two. That's the key right there. Those kind of things now uh, are not things that I am scared of or think that I can't do. I just know that like the, the world is, is our oyster now. Um, having done that and having a mind that is um, as open and free as we do have now and just knowing that the importance of the team and how important that is to success in any given challenge the only thing that worries me is about just about the people that come. And actually, after that point, I can I feel like I can do anything. Um, and that's that's the really exciting thing. So yeah, there's a there's gonna be a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming, but it's it's definitely not gonna be a, a, a sitting on the sofa for the rest no, of the next not. 10, 15 years. We're just getting started. It's gonna be exciting. Yep, we're yeah, just sort of, started as a boat crew. Really I wanted uh, I wanted to say I absolutely love the content that you're producing on your social media. And if you could, will you share with us your coaching website as well as your social media handle on Instagram? Love to have our listeners uh, take a look. It's some really good content. Of course, yeah. So um, like my Instagram handle is Liam L I A M underscore underscore Glenn. So G L Y double N. Um, and uh, my website is www.unlimitlifestyle. So that's U-N-L-I-M-I-T lifestyle.com. Um, and uh, yeah, most of my content is basically just trying to be as educational as possible. So I do some things around nutrition, um, a lot of things about around strength and conditioning training. Um, but there's a lot of work that I do with my clients, which definitely helps a lot of people as I break down movements, fairly complicated movements like snatch and clean and jerk into kind of smaller, more manageable movements and definitely help you try to understand why those things can be broken down. And obviously you can scale them to all sorts of different abilities. So yeah, I do try and if there's anything that people would like me to break down I'd be really really happy to because as I said it's it's about sharing knowledge and trying to get people as physically fit so that they can do whatever they want to do in this world so um yeah it's it's absolutely been a pleasure to be on the show with me you today man I really really appreciate it and uh I'm really excited for for everything that's coming in the future for for us as a boat crew but also as uh, swim buddies absolutely brother it's been uh, extremely meaningful for me, and, and I, I have to say, just reliving some of those experiences and actually even getting some, some even deeper clarity on what we experienced hearing it from your perspective has been a tremendous blessing for me today. So appreciate you joining the show, my friend. Said, let me tell you right now.